This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. We see how are you all doing today? It's great to see you all. Are you enjoying the weekend? The sun is out. And what a feast of sport do we have this weekend. I mean, you don't know what to watch, do you? I mean, it's Sunday today. Do you watch the British Grand Prix? Or do you watch the cricket? England versus New Zealand? Okay, there's a lot of English supporting, uh, <laughs> or a lot of Welsh people supporting New Zealand, so it seems, uh, today. Or, you know, are we going to watch the men's final at Wimbledon? What's it to be? What's it to be, girls? What's that? Oh, day at the beach. Okay, day at the beach. Jo- oh, Djokovic. I thought you said day at the beach. Uh, yeah, it's lost in translation. But did you see the final yesterday? Did you see Simona Halep um, give a wallop uh, to, you know, Serena Williams? It's great to see her back, but kind of just wasn't her day, was it? Serena not playing how she normally would play, but Halep, didn't she just play out of her skin? How many many tennis fans in the house today? Yeah, Yeah, okay, there's a few of us here. Um, and I thought the talk at the end and the speech that she was given at the end was um, really poignant. I just thought it was quite amusing. Uh, one of the things that she was looking forward to were two things. Number one, anybody who wins Wimbledon gets lifetime mem- membership of the All England Club. That must be nice, isn't it? How many of you like membership of the Air? I'm a member of the All England Club. You're lovely, lovely. That would be great. Um, but as well as that, that she would get to meet royalty. I mean, can you imagine that, getting to meet the... I, I, I don't know, am I, as a, as a guy, do I need a curtsy? Yeah. Oh, do, do I? You know? and, and, and it's all complicated. Are you women trying to work out the curtsy or the bow or whatever? I'd be all fingers and thumbs. In fact, if I ever had to meet royalty, I'd probably end up, like, nutting them by, uh, you know, uh, by accident. But getting to meet royalty, and it's on the subject of royalty I want to talk about this morning, and the subject of meeting royal people... And the title of my message this morning to you is called Proximity. Proximity. And I'll explain to you why in a moment. Because it's great to meet people, isn't it? How many of you like meeting new people? Come on, be honest. Okay, all extroverts. Uh, you're, you're all the ones with the hands in the air right now because you're extrovert people. Uh, you're people like, uh, like Andrea who calls herself social glue. <laughs> That's what she is, Phil. I'm social glue. I am. I come along and I mingle between everyone and make everybody feel fabulous. And doesn't she just do that? Yeah. And there's other people that are more introvert, like my wife, Ruth. Oh, yeah. If I say to her, Ruth, oh, great opportunity. She's an extrovert, Phil. We've got an opportunity to go to London and we're going to meet all kinds of people we've never met before. My wife just gives that face. You know that face she gives. You've seen the face. Come on. The kids have seen the face. The face is... You are. You are. <laughs> Resting something face. I can't remember what it's called right now. She, she just gives that face. She just gives that face because Ruth is really outside her comfort zone of meeting new people. However, something happens to us when we become Christians. You see, something unique happens to us when we come near to other people when we are Christians. Something unique happens to us because when we are born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God rests in us. And as we've been looking um, at the past couple of weeks together, we are anointed. The Spirit that was in Jesus Christ dwells in us, isn't it? Amen? Amen. 
And we are anointed. The same anointing, the same anointing that was on Jesus, or the same the word anointing as we learned together was being chosen. The same anointing that's on Jesus is on you as a believer. How cool is that? But added onto that, he fills you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, I'll try again. He fills you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And as we heard from Pastor David Waters that was ministering to us on, on Wednesday night, he gives us a boldness to be able to declare his word. So no longer are we shy people. God puts something within us that we can become witnesses for him. Isn't that great? And it's on the subject of proximity I want to talk about today. And I'm going to take you to the book of Acts. And uh, as I uh, shared with you in weeks gone by, and Andrea alluded to this in a fantastic message that she spoke about two weeks ago, um, I want to talk about practical steps, tying into the, the message that Andrea talked about, about being an influence in the world. I want us to look at practical steps from the Bible today on how we do that. So you'll notice a picture that's up on screen right now. Anybody know what that picture is and who the artist is? Anybody want to tell me? Sorry? That's right. Well done. It's called The Baptism of the Ethiopian by Rembrandt. And this was done in the 1600s. I don't know what it would be like there. You can see the chariot behind. We're going to look at the scripture uh, in a minute. But the subject of my message, next slide, is called proximity. And I don't know what this picture would look like in a modern day. Uh, if we can have the next slide uh, up. You're going to have to follow me this morning, Joe, really, really quick. Here it comes up somewhere. It's not working. Give it a kick. Give it a kick when the technology doesn't work. Do like my wife does and, uh, and give it a kick. But I've got a picture that'll be up on screen hopefully in a minute of a picture of somebody in a car because the chariot was a more, the old-fashioned method of transportation. In fact, we call that a carriage and the evolution of the carriage. It then became, we had several different types of carriage and one carriage was called a hackney carriage. Anyone heard of a hackney carriage? Yeah. And a hackney carriage was a carriage that, uh, that carried passengers. And today it's become a modern day taxi. So I've got a modern day picture there of a man in a car reading. And it's that picture that I want to illustrate to you today as we turn to the book of Acts together and read this story about the Ethiopian eunuch. So before we dive into it, let me give you some context first of all. You see, the church in Jerusalem was growing. The church, um, the, uh, the church had met 140 of them in, in the upper room together, and the Holy Spirit came, 120 uh, in the upper room together, and the Holy Spirit came with the Holy Ghost, came with fire, and baptized everybody in the Holy Spirit, and the church exploded. We all remember Peter's sermon, don't we? That he came, this is what was foretold of the prophet, that in the last days, my spirit will pour out on all flesh, that's all of us, and sons and daughters will prophesy, people see dream dreams and everything else like that. And the Holy Ghost came and people were baptized with the Holy Spirit and even spoke in foreign and other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And the church exploded, 3,000 people were added to the church in just one day. Wow, that's a mission, is that. 
And so the church expands quickly and it grows quickly. But there's someone called Saul that doesn't like that the church is growing quickly. And so as the church is growing, there's two challenges that are happening. People outside the domain, the Romans and everything else like that, and the, 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 Pharisee, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and teachers of the law, they get unhappy with all of what's happening uh, at the same time with this huge, huge expansion of people that are helping the poor and people that are doing incredible things. And they're helping so many of the poor, particularly the window, widows, um, that the, uh, they get together and they say, look, this is a problem. It's a huge problem. We're helping so many different people here. We cannot cope with the capacity. And so the 12 apostles get together and they say, right, well, we'll pick we we'll pick some people to help pull it together. And they turn to the people and they say, pick seven spirit-filled men. And they call them deacons. And those seven spirit-filled men went and did men, amazing practical things in the church, including feeding the widows and waiting on tables and doing all of what was there. And Stephen was one of the first of those deacons, again filled with the Spirit, and he became the first Christian martyr. And then there were six, and one of the six was Philip. Now, this is not Philip the Apostle. This is Philip the Evangelist. And that's why I stand before you today, and I am named Philip is that my father loved this thought of uh, Philip the evangelist. And when he named me, my mother named my older brother Peter. They went in turns, couldn't decide. So they decided to go in turns. So mum named Peter, Peter. And my father named me Philip. And he specifically, I remember years later learning that he wanted me to be a soul winner. And so in a prophetic way, that's why he called and named me Philip. How cool is that? I think it's far better that we connect with that Philip because the word Philip is a Greek word that means lover of horses. And I don't particularly <laughs> like horses. So I'm not going to go there uh, at all. So Philip, this Philip, there's two Philips that we can read about in the New Testament. One which is Philip the Apostle that was chosen with the original 12. But this Philip is Philip the Evangelist. And we get to see how he operates. So you're ready now that I've given you the context. And the final piece that happens is persecution comes. And after the killing of Stephen, the church is dispersed. Everywhere. Only the 12 apostles, the scripture writes, stayed in Jerusalem. The rest of the church is shed, spread abroad. And, and we know that Philip, the, gospel, the uh, writer of the book of Acts, Luke says that he went off to Samaria. Not Samaria as in random, Samaria. He went to Samaria. And he went there. And it's while he is there and he comes back to Jerusalem that this scripture comes about. Are you ready? Okay, let's turn with me to book, uh, Acts chapter 8, and we're going to read from verse 26 to 39. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Have you ever had an angel speak to you? Have you? Surely Andrea has spoken to you? <laughs> well, that's a little devil, that is, just to be clear. Um, but angels speak to us like angels a lot of the time. They can speak to us without us even knowing. The scripture gives this principle sometimes that we will entertain angels unawares, doesn't it? What does that look like? Any of you ever had dinner with an angel? Yeah, I don't really know. 
do you? Somebody that comes along your path and speaks into your life. It's a fascinating realm of life to be in, living as a believer. And I always used to think, and I always used to have a theology, that the only way that God would speak to people would be in angels, and that they would come down from heaven like we see in the nativity scene, that they would come out, they're always dressed in white, they've always got some tinsel on the top of the head, and they would have trumpets, and that they would speak. Angels don't speak like that. They don't look like that. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that quite often, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you can read of angels coming, that they look like ordinary men. And it's one of the things I think in the Christian faith that we need to get our heads around is that quite often an angel will speak to us and that's how we entertain them unawares. Is a lot of the time the people that speak to us and the situations that happen to us, it can be a prompting of the Holy Spirit and we don't yet know it. So I can't tell you whether this is physical or otherwise, but the writer says here that it was an angel. So an angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Okay, notice that? The Spirit speaks, and I'm going to share with you five things this morning, five cons with you this morning, um, that are keys here of how we should operate with the Holy Spirit too in order to win other people and live life like an evangelist. So he started out. What did he do? So the angel speaks, he doesn't hang about, instead he started out. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you and when the Lord gives you a prompting, don't hang about, start out. Agreed? Come on then, great. And he went on his way to meet an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace. An Ethiopian eunuch. And he's the treasurer. He's very, very wealthy, probably in a, a Ferrari-type chariot, if there had been that kind of thing at the time. But he's very, very wealthy. In fact, he's so wealthy, he's probably got Sam at our church right here. He's probably got Sam at the back there as his financial advisor to help him with all the millions that he's got. And an important official in charge of all of the queen's wealth. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot. What, he was doing, what was he doing? Sitting in his chariot. Reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. Tallest man in the Bible. Isaiah. Yeah, shortest man in the book. Nehemiah. Never mind. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in the chariot. Reading the book of Isaiah and the spirit told Philip. What did the spirit tell Philip? Speaking to him. Go to that chariot and stay near it. So some context now that's important. He tells him, does the angel, to go to Gaza. That's the destination. But on the way, he sees this chariot and there comes a second instruction. Go and stand near to the chariot. Now quite often when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, church... It does not make sense. You see, there's a wonderful thing that happens in the Christian life, is the Christian life is all about the journey, not the destination. It's all about the journey, not the destination. And quite often, God might speak unto your heart and your life and say that one day you're going to be a leader, or one day you're going to be a prophet, or one day you're going to lead a church, or, or one day you're going to be a doctor, or one day, one day, one day. 
That day is not now. It could be 20 years ahead. But what God is doing in all of our hearts and lives is preparing us and building our character for the calling that precedes us. You see, the story of Joseph is all about the journey. The story of Joseph is all about preparing a young boy that had a vision of all nation of Israel bending down and worshipping him. But he wasn't ready to carry it yet. So he put him in the pit and he put him in the prison and he put him in all kinds of places in order to prepare him for the palace. So when he came to be exercising great leadership over people, he had the strength of character to be able to do it. And so Jesus speaks to us through the power of his Holy Spirit and often gives us directions on where to go, but it involves a destination. I love the way Paul Scanlon communicates this and teaches this. He says, do you know what, church? He says God is taking us on a journey of A through Z. You'll get to Z one day, but if you're at A, concentrate on getting to B. And if you're at B, concentrate on getting to C. You see, if you and I want to climb Mount Everest, first of all, we've got to get to Base Camp 1, haven't we? Forget the summit right now. Let's just get all the kit to Base Camp 1. And then what do we do, church? We go to Base Camp 2. Forget about the summit right now. The summit's coming. And quite often in our Christian faith, we expect everything now. We expect God to do things now. But God works in significant ways, and he just wants our obedience. So he says to this Ethiopia, he says to Philip, go down and head towards Gaza. So maybe he's thinking, I'm supposed to go to Gaza. He wasn't supposed to go to Gaza. He's just heading in the general direction of Zed and lands himself at B. Go to the chariot. So he's got to be obedient again. What did we say at the beginning? If God speaks to you and says something to you, don't opt out, start out. That's what we said. So he starts out and goes there, and equally so comes a second instruction, go and stand near the chariot. Now the reason I've entitled this message Proximity is specifically this, is that God works in a revelatory way in our life and wants us to just be obedient in small things. And as we are obedient in every small step, he gives us a further revelation of his purpose. The bit that's important here in this story, very practical step that I want to give you, it's this. He would have never seen the Ethiopian eunuch reading from the book of Isaiah from Jerusalem. Would he? I mean, he hasn't got x-ray vision like Superman or the bionic man. Who, dee, 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 dee. I'm showing my age now, kids. Any of you remember the bionic man? Yeah, to be able to read the scripture. In fact, even when he finds himself down at the side of the road, we read that he can't, imagine, he's in his chariot. He can't see what he's doing from there. But it's proximity and his obedience to doing what the Holy Spirit and the angel is speaking to him that, first of all, gets him heading down a road. Secondly, gets him near the chariot. And thirdly, gets him to be by the chariot. Look at it. Go to that chariot and stay near it. Proximity. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us sometimes and says, phone that person. Well, go see that person. 
And quite often we think, oh, well, well, why should I go there? It's not like, you know, the Holy Spirit says to you, go to Brinaman. Why should I go to Brinaman? I don't know, you tell me. Why is the Holy Spirit saying to Philip, go down towards Gaza? Why is he saying go south? Should we go north? Should we go east? Should we go west? But whatever the Holy Spirit says to us, we're commanded to be obedient, aren't we? Yeah. And quite often we, we can't work it out, but go with it. I'll be sharing you practical steps at the end. Just go with what the Holy Spirit is revealing to you. And then you'll have a... And if you find yourself in Brinama and you're thinking, why am I ended up here? I don't know. Just turn around and come home. Do you know I've had that happen to me several times? Where I've gone to a particular place and I've gone, well, why did that happen? And I've headed for home and I've met somebody on the way home that the Lord wanted me to speak to. Bizarre how this stuff happens. As long as we start out, not opt out. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. So this is how he is operating. Philip is so in tune to the Holy Spirit, he doesn't hang about. When the Lord says to him, go to the chariot, he doesn't go, oh, I'll do that in 10 minutes, Lord. I'm busy enjoying a McDonald's here and texting a few people first. He doesn't think, all oh, right, I'll head off to the... He literally runs to the chariot, speeds off and gets there. And that's the kind of obedience that we need to have. He ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And so by the time he gets there, Philip asks this question. Do you understand what you're reading? Now, I don't know if he's done that in himself. I don't know if he's done that prompted by the Holy Spirit. All I can tell you is he asked that question. And quite often, the Holy Spirit will kind of prompt different things. He will give you what to say in the situation. Just go with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So he asked the question. And he says, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Come in to my Ferrari. Oh, look at that. He gets to sit with this wealthy guy. Gets to sit there, they probably, I don't know, did they open a little drawer that had champagne and strawberries and cream there? I don't know, they probably did as they discussed Isaiah together. Look at this chance meeting. And Phil, at the same time, is it okay if I call him Phil? Yeah, I think Phil can call him Phil. And Phil is there, and he, he's having his conversation with this Ethiopian eunuch. How random is that, that he's supposed to be in Jerusalem, were it not for him listening to the Holy Spirit? Do you get this? Does this excite you? It excites me. It really does. Maybe because I'm called Phil too. Right, and let's finish off with these verses and then we go some practical steps. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He's reading this from the book of Isaiah. Some of you that know your Bible well know this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Well, you see, Peter tells us not to worry what to say when we speak to people. Because the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. And so the Holy Spirit takes over, uses Philip's intelligence and his proximity in the fact that he was there, anoints his lips, and he begins to say, well, 
the story goes like this. Have you ever had that happen? With some people saying to you, sometimes people say to me, sometimes say, Phil, where do you get your sense of motivation and enthusiasm and excitement for life from? That's what they say. You always seem motivated. You always seem happy. And do you know what I say to them? Well, something happened to me when I was 21, 2021, and it absolutely changed my life, and I've never been the same since. That's all I tell them. Do you know what they want to ask me then after I've said that question? They say, what happened? And I say, if I told you, you'd never believe me. And they go, what? No, I, honestly, have you got five minutes or ten minutes? How long have you got for me to explain to you what happened to me? Because when I tell you, you won't believe me. And you know, over the many, many years, I've told people, and instead of not believing me, they have, and they've come to faith in Christ too. Isn't it? My friend Murray McGuffey, I remember when uh, he used to come into the shop in Ammonford and we used to talk about the things of God and he used to get so angry about all of it, you know, da, 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 how he got marvelously saved. And all of the way God works is so, so wonderful when we are obedient to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Then Philip began that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Isn't Jesus good news? Tell your face. Isn't Jesus good news? Isn't he? Yeah, but so many of us, oh, my word. Oh. You know, we cast our burdens on ourselves. That's what we do, isn't it? As a, oh, have a spring in your step. Cast your burdens on Jesus, as we've been taught today by Ruth and encouraging us. And let's walk with a spring in our step because we're the redeemed. We're the chosen. I'm a son of a king. I am. I'm a son of a king. Don't you know it? I've got an inheritance. You all want a big house. You've got a mansion in glory. That's what's coming our way as we are obedient to him in our everyday walk. So as they traveled along the road, I love this. He's in the Ferrari, chariot version of Ferrari. He decides to fire it up and take Phil for a spin. I mean, can you imagine that? Champagne, strawberries, talking about Jesus in the Ferrari. He says, hey, let's take this thing for a spin. Now, it probably in those days went... <laughs> but can you... Modern day version would be... You know, like, imagine that. Go, go to Brands Hatch, Philip. And I go to Brands Hatch. And, and go to the McLaren stand. And I go to the McLaren stand. And, and Lewis Hamilton says, Phil, what are you doing here? I say, how do you know me? He says, I follow you on Twitter. I said, really? <laughs> Not likely to happen. But can you imagine that I ended up meeting Lewis Hamilton and ending up taking his car for a drive? I tell you what, I put it in the hedge, bend one. <laughs> As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, the eunuch said, he's been explained the whole story of salvation, even up to baptism. Let's make sure we explain everybody the real commitment of following Christ. Let's do like Jesus and put it up front and say, hey, if you want to come to faith in Christ, it's going to demand all of your life. Please don't share a woolly gospel that so many people have shared down the years, which is not biblical. Come to Jesus and everything is going to be all right. It ain't. In this world, says Jesus, trouble you will have. And for me, as I've come to faith in Christ, it's meant a whole load of consequences. I've had to become honest in business. That's a problem, isn't it? 
be nice to do business like Phil Green and maybe other people, or supposedly like Phil Green, unless I have a, a libelous uh, email coming my way, allegedly. Um, you know, all of these things come away. They have consequences of our lives. Sorry, guys, can't sleep around no more. Sorry, got to be faithful to your wife now. Sorry, guys, you know, that tongue, you've got to kind of cope with that. Sorry, ladies. Maybe all the things, you know, that shopping has got to become under control. Or maybe those chit-chats that you're having with other people that are probably not wholesome. The Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up your brother in the Lord. Coming to faith in Christ has consequences. And Philip has explained to him all the consequences and says, you've come to faith in Christ, let's now baptize you. And he baptizes him as a sign of his commitment to Christ. And we have it there in black and white. What can stand in the way of my being baptized, he asked. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Can you imagine that? Stop the chariot! I'd love that kind of control, wouldn't you? Stop the Ferrari. And they get out. I don't know if they had trunks or whatever, or in their robe. They just went down into the water and baptized. Then both Philip and the eunuch went into the water. Phil baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Just for clarity, Ruth, that happens to all kinds of Philip. When I disappear, sometimes you don't know where I've gone. That's probably what is actually <laughs> I joke. Okay, so what are five things that I want to share with you in a practical step as we turn to the scriptures together um, here? Next slide, if we can. First of all, there comes a conviction. You see, the angel spoke to him, and he has a conviction. Now, I don't know what format that took, because was the... Was that a person? Was it a spirit? I don't know. But all I know, he was obedient. And then later on, it says, the spirit spoke to Philip. Now, the spirit speaks to you. And the challenge that we have sometimes is the challenge that Samuel, the young boy that was living in the priest's um, temple, had, is quite often, until we come to a stage of maturity, we find it difficult to be able to tell the voice of God from the voice of another. You know the story, don't you? That God comes and speaks to Samuel and he says, Samuel, Samuel. Why does God always speak with an echo? And a deep voice. Samuel, Samuel. I think we've got to thank Charlton Heston for those influences of us as God speaks to Moses, isn't he, in the Bible. He says, Samuel, Samuel. But clearly, he didn't speak to that. I'm just supposing. Imagine Eli had a squeaky voice. Samuel, Samuel. I'm just supposing. Because he thought it was the voice of Eli. So imagine he's got a squeaky voice. He's lying in bed. And the Lord comes, or he thinks is the Lord, comes to speak to him and goes, Samuel, Samuel. Not a very nice voice of God, is it? (laughs) But I want to try and mix it up for you. God does not speak in Abby, Sally, Steve. He doesn't do that. Dave. God doesn't speak like that. He speaks often in a still, small voice. 
And we read in the story of Moses and we read in others, you know, he was in the fire, he wasn't there. Was God in the rain? Was he in the storm? I don't know how God comes and speaks. But I know sometimes, and I said this to you on Wednesday and David Waters this way, sometimes if you get random thoughts in your mind, you think, that's a bit weird, push it away. Just say, that was just weird. Have I had too much cheese? Have I not slept enough last night or something? If something's from God, it'll come back to you. That, go to Brinaman, it'll start to be repeating in your head all the time. Go with it when that happens. Okay, just go with it and step out. First thing you've got to do is be aware of the conviction. I should do this, that the Holy Spirit is moving. Step one. So this week, as you are going through your everyday, ordinary life, whether it's driving the car, whether it's in the meeting, whether you're in a till a Tesco, wherever we find ourselves, learn to listen to the voice of God. There's a fantastic book by Pastor Bill Hybels called Whispers. If you want to download that, it's available in Audible and it's available in PDF, it's available longer. But how the Holy Spirit speaks to us in so many different ways that sometimes we don't even know. Maybe we'll cover that in um, some weeks. Second thing. Not only does the conviction come, but secondly, there's conformity to the conviction. Instead of opting out, step out. Church, instead of opting out and saying, oh, don't know, that's a bit weird, a bit random, step out. We have to be obedient to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need to conform. We need to submit. We need to have the response of Samuel. When he finally gets to work out the vice of God, and it says, Samuel, Samuel. How does he respond? Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Speak, Lord, communicate to me, because I'm listening. I am listening. And so many people hear, but they don't listen. So many people hear, but they don't listen. They don't do what the, the Bible commands often, but they don't do as well what the Holy Spirit prompting. So first step is conviction. Secondly, conform. Go with it. God says to you, go to Brynamman. Go with it. Now, lots of you here, just to be clear, how difficult it is to tell. Lots of you have these convictions sometimes, like, I feel I should go to the Bahamas. Oh, I feel I should go Barbados or Ibiza. I'm not sure those are voices of the Holy Spirit, so you've got to work it out yourself, whether it's Brinaman or Barbados. How many want to go to Brinaman? How many go to Barbados? Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Conviction. Then comes conformity. Then comes connection. You see, when we conform, God connects us with people. I love this. It's often said, do you know Jesus didn't die on the cross for animals? Sorry. I know Betsy and Bailey. There is a heaven and a hell, is there? I'm just saying, I know dogs go to heaven and I know cats go to hell. <laughs> is that true? Is that... I've just divided the room like Boris would there, haven't I? No, I'm sure because dogs are in the Bible. There's no cats in the Bible. I'm just saying, it's not a biblical. You find me one cat that's written in the Bible. There's a lion there, but there are no cats in the Bible, but there's plenty of dogs, which means we must have dogs in heaven and no cats. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But God didn't die on the cross for creatures. He didn't die for the planet. There's nothing that's more important in God's plan and purpose 
than you. People matter to God. I'll say it again. People matter to God. Look, you dink your car, don't worry about it. Right? People matter to God. And that's why connection is so important. All of us are longing for belonging. All of us are longing to become. All of us are longing to believe in a bigger picture that God has a plan for our life and he does. The best is yet to come for all of you. But as we are obedient to God's word, we must connect with each other. That's called fellowship. And I know you maybe she's different to you and attends our church. And maybe she's introvert. And you're extrovert. And maybe she speaks directly and you're a bit more open about things. But Phil, she's your wife. You've got to put up with her. <laughs> Get, we're all here to help each other. And we're all here to disciple one another and teach one another strength of character. But God uses this thing called connection in order for his word with power to be transferred to other people. You and I are only here because somebody connected with you and gave you the story. And somebody connected with them. And your spiritual family tree for all of us here, because we are, um, we're not Jews. We are what now foreigners and fellow citizens of the household of, of Israel. We are the Gentiles. We are here because of Paul's ministry that you can read about in the book of Acts. The only reason Phil is saved it's because somebody was obedient from Paul all the way down to me. I have a spiritual family tree that's about connection. And who knows who you are appointed by God to connect with this week in Brinaman. Maybe Barbados. Fourthly, after comes connection comes conversation. Tell me your story. Where are you from? Where are you at? Sometimes we've just got to walk across the room, introduce ourselves to someone when the Holy Spirit prompts us. You know, um, Pastor David Waters that was uh, pre preaching to us this week and he was saying the Holy Spirit had prompted him to go across to somebody, walk across the room and just say, tell me about Joe. Do you remember? Getting on podcast this week, he says, tell me about Joe or who is Joe? That's all he had. Who's Joe? It would make sense if we went to Andrea and said, who's Joe? It makes sense if you came to me and said, who's Joe? I've got an uncle, Joe. But maybe to somebody else, it wouldn't make sense. And to us often, words of knowledge and words of wisdom, they don't make sense. But we are tasked to have the conversation. Sometimes a conversation comes to us where the Ethiopian eunuch turns around to Phil and says, I do not understand this. I do not understand this. And his life is transformed as a result. And then fifthly and finally, conversation in this particular case led to conversion. Isn't that great? Do you know, you can study today. We know uh, from 50 AD that the name of the Ethiopian or eunuch was probably 90% sure we are of it from uh, anthropology and studies that his name was Simeon. And today there are 30 million people that are members of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Do you know why there are 30 million people that are part of the Orthodox Church in Ethiopia today? Because of Philip. 
because of Phil. Now, I'm not saying that he might have been saved through other ways, but we have a record here that Phil is being used to transform someone's life. And there's nothing like it, church. As I finish here and share with you something in closing, I often, as a child, you know, I, God blessed me with lots of many things, as you all know, but brains wasn't one of them. Brains wasn't one of them at all. If I could have been something, I would have either pick and put, picked two careers. I would have loved to have been a professional athlete and been a cricketer. I love that. Only working half the time, sitting sit in the stand, and only playing in sunny weather. That would have been me. Are we batting or are we fielding? I would have loved to have been a professional cricketer. But the other thing that I would have liked to have been, I would have liked to have been a surgeon. I'd come home and Ruth would say to me, what have you done today, honey? And I say to him, oh, I've saved a child's life today, involved in a car accident and all kinds of things going on and had the opportunity to change someone's life. Imagine that. But you know, you stand in a gap not to change someone's life, but to change someone's eternal destiny. Think about it. Not just change their now, change their forever. Does that not inspire you? Someone used to say to me once, Pastor Ivy and myself, when we planted the church and put it all together and all the kind of thing, and you know, you think, how is God going to do this? What are we going to do? Where are we going to go, etc.? Remember, Pastor Ivy said to me, Phil, it'll be worth it for one to change a person's forever. Amen. Worth it for one. God works in the significant, not the prominent. Let's us be people today that respond to the text, respond to the person, whether they be from Barbados or Brinhaman, and walk their way. Let me finish in closing with this book, and I feel led off the back of um, the ministry from uh, Andrea and others and the Holy Spirit's prompting. We're going to spend some time together. Next slide up if you can to finish. We're going to spend some time as a church looking at this area in the next couple of weeks that come ahead. And we're going to look at some teaching that's from a book called Just Walk Across the Room. And it's a story of somebody that took the courage one day in a party, at a cocktail party where somebody was clearly from an, another faith and they were um, had a kind of other dress and attire on. And because of that, in the context of the American culture that they were in, Nobody spoke to that one person. But this person took the courage to just walk across the room, introduce themselves to them. And today that person is an American church pastor as he realized that Christ had come and that he died for him and that person is in ministry today. And the story of the book is what just happened wonderful story of somebody walking across a room and beginning a journey that changes somebody's forever. You want to live a life like that? Let's live a life like that. Wherever we go this week, whoever we speak to, when the conviction comes, when the conviction comes, please conform and please be obedient to him. And when we conform, let's not be slow to have connection with other people and that connection will lead to conversation that we can speak to people about Christ and who knows 
who knows if it leads to conversion as they like the Ethiopian eunuch come to faith in Christ and maybe one day we'll be sharing a story here at church as we baptize someone here at church like we did with the Ethiopian eunuch because you were obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.